Let's praise the Lord. If everybody in the lobby would please come in, we're going to enter into worship, being our God, our Savior. We're in His presence. Everything that we need is found. Let's give Him the glory and the praise that is due to our God. Come on, let's praise the Lord together. All right, hallelujah. Well, you heard Him. Who's ready to praise the Lord? Amen. Amen. God is good, church. God is good. And all the time, God is good. Amen. All right, who's ready to magnify Jesus? Come on, clap our hands.
to us. Amen. Hallelujah. We believe in this house, oh God. Hallelujah. All right, let's get ready to praise the Lord and worship him. We're slowing it down for a minute. This is the time where you can just reflect and thank the Lord. Amen. This is a time where you can pray, where you can ask the Lord whatever's on your heart. We open the altar for anyone who wants to come and just lay their hearts before God and have a moment alone with him. Hallelujah. And I wanted to just share you know, just something that God has been dealing with me, you know. I know you guys have seen, I haven't been here in a few weeks. I got very sick um, with tonsillitis, lost my voice. I was very discouraged, because as a singer, this is who I am. You know, I know God has called me to sing, so when you can't sing, you feel like something's robbed of you, you know. And during those times when I was ill, and there was one night where I was feeling terrible, um, the past four months, you know, my husband and I have been through so much. We had lost our home. We were in and out of motels. We were struggling. Just struggling. And I want you guys to know that when I stand up here, that I worship with you. I don't worship to you. I worship with you because I'm dealing with things. We're dealing with things. Amen? And I still chose to serve the Lord and despite everything that was hitting us, 
around us. I said, I may, I may be going through these things, but I know my God. I know who I serve. I know where I am. I know who I am, and I know whose I am. Amen? And that is the only thing that will get us through things. God is not a God that robs. He's a giver. Amen? We may have lost our house. We may have lost our security. I was losing my health. But I didn't lose Jesus. And I didn't lose myself because I belong to him. Amen? I don't know if that's a word for somebody this morning, but you have not lost yourself because God is holding on to you. Amen? You have not lost yourself. The Lord is holding on to you. God has so much more. He has so much more in store. Amen. So, Father, we give all this to you, God. We want your presence more than anything. We want you, Jesus. Nothing else, God. We just want you, God. You are all we need, Father. You are all we need, Jesus. You fulfill every part, God. Breathe. 
God Almighty, in the name of Jesus, we gather around your altar this afternoon. And Father, we press into your presence today. We declare that we want more of you, Lord God. We want more of your presence, Father God. For in your presence is all we need. In your presence is joy and peace, Lord God. Lord, we press into your presence in this moment, Father God, and we pray, Father God, that you strengthen our soul. We pray that you strengthen our mind, Lord God. 
we open up ourselves to you father in the name of jesus have your way amongst us father god pour out the fire of your holy ghost amongst us father god in jesus name we want more of you lord god we want more of you and so lord god bless this time together with your presence your presence lord in the mighty name of jesus we pray and everyone says amen let's give the lord a hand praise you may be seated we want to welcome everyone to our 12:30 worship uh, service let's give the lord a hand praise for our worship team leading us in the presence of the lord we're so grateful and thankful to have a worship team that is anointed and appointed for such a time as this. And so we want to also welcome all those watching online. Let's welcome, make some noise for those watching online. If you're watching online, God bless you from wherever you're watching at. Just get your Bible, prepare for the Word of God. We believe that God has a Word for everybody and that you do not have to leave as you came in Jesus' name. Today we have a couple special pieces before we get into the Word. We are now uh, in what we refer to as Advent season, Advent season. And this is the time where Christians around the world prepare our hearts and minds for the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Advent season which we set our hearts and our minds looking for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is our tradition during this time that families uh, throughout the Sundays in the end of November and December come and represent us as they light one candle per Sunday in reflection of this Advent season. So at this time, I want to welcome the Guzman family who's going to lead us in the Advent lighting and directly after the advent lighting we're going to play a short video and then i'll come back up and we'll get into the word let's welcome again the guzman family lead us in the advents lighting candle of the advent wreath. This is the candle of hope. With Christians around the world, we use this light to help us prepare our hearts and minds for the coming of God's Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. May we, may we receive God's light as we hear the words of the prophet Isaiah. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. Isaiah 9 2. Let us pray. Lord, as we look to the birth of Jesus, 
grant that the light of your love for us will help us to become lights in the lives of those around us. Prepare our hearts for the joy and gladness of your coming. For Jesus is our hope. Amen. with Chapel Change and Pastor Brian by texting your name to 562-393-7330. Once again, that's 562-393-7330. You can also download our phone app on our church website. The phone app is so important because you get the latest teachings which you don't want to miss. Don't forget also our midweek service and Bible study. On Wednesdays at 715, we have it at our Carson campus. And on Thursday at 7.15, we have it on our Paramount campus. We also offer children's church and teen groups. So get your Bibles ready and get ready to hear the word of God. Thank you for joining us and God bless you. God is good all the time. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. As we look to the living word of God. How many get excited to study God's word? How many love God's word? If you're, if you're new at Chapel of Change, know that we are a Bible teaching, Bible preaching church. We love to eat the word of God. Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to be reading uh, several passages of scripture and then we'll launch into our study today. By the way, I want to give a shout out to our youth ministry who are the hosts today, uh, doing the ushers and greeters. Let's make some noise for our youth uh, ministry. So uh, we have a strong youth ministry that meets on Sundays at 1230 and Thursdays at 715. They study the Bible. They serve together. Once a month on a Sunday, they host the entire service, and it's good training for them to serve the Lord, but it also teaches them social skills and things that they could apply to their life as they get older. So we're super blessed to have a strong youth uh, ministry to the glory of God. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. By the way, side note, it's not a good habit to get in a conversation with the devil. 
sidebar. It's not a good thing to converse with Satan. He talked one-third of the angels out of heaven. How much more can he deceive you or me? It's not a good habit. He could talk a wolf off a meat truck. So we know something's going wrong already. Verse 4. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes. Someone say eyes. Notice what it said. It was pleasant to the eyes. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Watch your eyes. Watch your eyes because your eyes can lead you into places you do not want to go. Are you... Are you listening to me? Uh, watch your eyes. Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes. Because he knew the eyes was the gateway to the heart. And a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her. And he ate. Notice that phrase. She gave to her husband with her, and he did eat. Hmm. That brother was there watching. He was there seeing it all go down. There, there is what we call the sin of omission. There's the sin of commission, something that you do that is wrong, but then there's the sin of omission, knowing to do something, but you don't do it. He watched it all go down and did not stand up. He was with her. He saw, but did not use the authority that God gave him. Look at verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Two things I want you to see. Thank God that he loves us enough not to abandon us when we mess up. Anybody grateful for the mercy of God? They messed up. And he still comes down from heaven to walk with them, talk with them, fellowship with them. That's the mercy of God. The second thing I want you to see is that they hid themselves from God, the very one who loves them unconditionally, the one who has mercy on them. See, the result of sin will always cause you to hide from God. Sin will drive you from the presence of God. Sin will drive you from the things of God. And if you leave sin unchecked in your life, it will drive you away from the house of God. 
Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Look at verse 9. And the Lord called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? By the way, that's the first question of God in the Bible. Where are you? Remember, God is omniscient, meaning he knows everything. So when God asks a question, the answer is never for God, but the answer is for you. When God asks a question, the answer is not for God. He knows everything. When God asks a question, the answer is for you. Where are you? Where are you in relationship to God? Where are you in relationship to God's plan for your life? Where are you in relationship to God's destiny for your life? Where are you? But a couple weeks ago, I went to the Delamo Mall in Torrance, and they tell me that's one of the largest malls in America. And it wasn't too long after I stepped into the mall that I got lost got lost and I found myself walking in circles and I was getting tired and I was getting frustrated because I knew the store that I was looking for was there but I didn't know where there was so I kept walking until I realized when you get lost you don't just keep walking particularly in the mall, you go to the kiosk and you look on that map and you find that little red dot that says you are here. Got to realize where you're at before you get to where you should be. God says, where are you? And so he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. That's the first time fear creeps into the world as a result of sin. Fear creeps into the world as a result of sin. Verse 11, and he said, who told you that you were naked? Who told you? Who told you? In other words, what voice are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Who are you paying attention to? Be careful. Be careful because in this world are many voices. And there's voices that are vying for your attention. There, there are voices that are trying to speak death unto you and confusion unto you. Be careful what you listen to. Because if you listen to the wrong voice, you'll end up in the wrong place. That's why one of the reasons why we come to church regularly, you know why? Is by looking at the Word of God, we turn up the voice of God in our life. It's one of the reasons why we come to Bible study, is because there's so many voices out there that we need to learn to turn up the voice of God in our lives. And every time you come to church, you turn that voice up. Every time you come to Bible study, you turn that voice up. Every time you hook up to your small group, you turn that voice up. So one of the reasons why you got to keep bringing your kids to church 
Every time you bring your kids to church, you're turning the voice of God up in their life because you ain't going to be around them forever. You ain't going to be able to follow them forever, and they're going to need the voice of God to lead them in this cloudy world. You better drag your kids to church. Don't let them sleep in. You better bring them up so that they can have the voice of God turned up. I could say amen and go home right now, but I'm not because I'm not done yet. I haven't even started. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Verse 12. Then the man said, here he now, now all of a sudden he wants to talk now. All of a sudden he wants to talk, but where were you at when he was tripping? You were silent when he was tripping, but now when God comes on the scene, you want to talk. Listen, listen to what he says. He says, then the man said, the woman whom you gave me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. That brother had his nerve to blame God. The woman whom you gave me. Boy, we got our nerve. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Ain't supposed to talk to the devil. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Feed us today, Lord God. Open up our eyes that we might see wondrous things in your word, that we might be transformed deeply. Help us, Jesus. Amen and amen. I'm teaching a Bible study uh, on Thursday nights here in the sanctuary on the armor of God. And the subject is really spiritual warfare, and we're arming the church to be prepared for 2022. Uh, but today, I'm going to teach a study uh, that kind of goes uh, in line with our midweek study. It's a companion uh, study on the subject of spiritual warfare. And I want us to take some time this afternoon to examine some of the strategies uh, that Satan attacks us with. And we're going to be looking at this passage of scripture together, and I really believe that God is going to uh, open up somebody's eyes so that the enemy does not take advantage of them any longer. And then we look, as we look at Genesis, uh, this chapter 3, it's very important to remember that Genesis is the book of beginnings. Someone say beginnings. Everything is rooted in Genesis. The great doctrines of our faith are rooted in Genesis. The, the, the conflict between man and God is rooted in Genesis. The entrance of sin into this world is rooted in Genesis. And it's interesting because after God created the world, the Bible teaches that he looked over his creation and he rejoiced in his heart. 
In fact, Genesis chapter 1 verse 31 says that then God saw everything that he had made and indeed it was very good. Someone say it's all good. God originally created the earth and he launched his kingdom on this earth. He looked over his creation and his heart melted in joy. It rejoiced because it was all good. And it was all good because the order of the kingdom was peace without chaos, sorrow or joy without sorrow. The order of the kingdom was wholeness instead of brokenness. There was life without death. There was peace without chaos. But then we learn in Genesis chapter 3, the kingdom gets attacked. Someone say attacked. Genesis chapter 3 tells us how we lost the kingdom of God. Genesis chapter 3 teaches us how creation slipped into chaos. Genesis chapter 3 tells us how sin and death uh, started to rule over mankind. In fact, every problem the world faces today is rooted in Genesis chapter 3. If you don't understand Genesis chapter 3, you'll look at this world and shake your head in misery because you won't understand how it all, this brokenness originated. It's interesting that not too long after God creates uh, the world and not too long after mankind messes everything up, that God moves from rejoicing over his creation to weeping over his creation he starts off rejoicing over his creation but after Genesis chapter 3 not too long after that does he begin to weep over his creation in fact in Genesis 6 6 it says so so God so the Lord was sorry he had ever made mankind and put them on earth it broke his heart not long after, sin enters into the world as a result of the disobedience of Adam and Eve that God looks over his creation and he moves from rejoicing to weeping. One of the most devastating verses. It says God's heart was broke. It broke his heart. How in the world does God move from rejoicing to weeping? How in the world do we break God's heart. I was thinking about this comparison and the spirit of the Lord prompted a question over my life. He said, he said, am I, am I, am I rejoicing over your life or am I weeping over your life? Am I rejoicing over your service to me or am I weeping over your service to me? Am I rejoicing over your worship of me or am I weeping of your worship of me? Am I rejoicing that I gave you a second chance, third chance, fourth chance, and some of y'all got a fifth chance? Or am I weeping that I gave you a fifth chance? So God moves from rejoicing to weeping as a result of Genesis chapter 3. This explains to us why the world is what it is today. And I want to pull the covers off of the strategy of the enemy, least he keeps attacking us and taking advantage of us the same way today. Someone say number one. We need to be aware of the strategy of confusion. 
The strategy of confusion. Look at verse 1 and look at the first words of Satan to Eve. It says, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Notice this first phrase. Did God really say? Did God really say? Now remember, God gave Adam and Eve one rule to follow, only one law to follow. He said, you could do anything you want, just don't eat of this particular uh, tree. And the very thing that God told us not to do is the same thing that we did. Notice Satan's first words question what God says to Adam and Eve in order to bring about confusion in their minds. Did God really say? What is he doing? He's questioning God's word uh, to bring confusion to Adam and Eve because he knows that if he could introduce enough confusion, it makes it much easier for Adam and Eve to disobey God. Is anybody following along? Did God really say this? Do you see the strategy there? If he can introduce enough confusion about what God actually says, he could move Adam and Eve closer and closer to disobedience. Did God really say it was wrong to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Did he really say it was wrong? When you think about it, it's the same Confusion that God is introducing to many minds today. It's the same confusion. So it's, it's worded a little different, but the same questions arise in people's minds. They say, did God really say it was wrong to get drunk? Come on, Jesus turned water into wine. Did God really say it was wrong? Or, or did God really say it was wrong to live together before we're married? He introduces the same confusion. Did God really say it was wrong to live together before we got married? Oh, come on. We love each other. We love each other. By the way, by the way, I always like to remind people that if you're living together but you're not married, you are putting in the work of a married couple, but you're not getting the blessing of a married couple. And, and you know it is hard to live with somebody, especially if they're an A-type personality. You got to forgive. You got to be patient. You got to be kind. You got to be quiet at times. It's hard to live with somebody. If you living together with somebody, but you ain't married, you putting in the work. But you showing up ain't getting the blessing. And so I say, you might as well get married. <laughs> You're going to put in all that uh, work and you might as well get the blessing. The devil introduces confusion by questioning God's word. And it's interesting that when Satan attacked Jesus when he was on this earth, he did the very same strategy. In fact, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 3, listen to what Satan says to Jesus. He says, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. 
Listen to what he says. If you are the son of God. No, no, this is the temptation. If you are the son of God. If, if, if. What is he doing? He's trying to cause confusion in the mind of Jesus. Are you sure you are who you really are? Are you sure about what the Father said about you? He's trying to introduce confusion into the mind of Christ because Satan is the author of confusion. And Satan wants to confuse us about what God actually says. Satan wants to confuse us about who we are. So many people today, so many people today are walking around with identity confusion. Because they fell for the lie that the enemy said, you are not who God created you to be. And they're wrecked with anxiety and depression and moping and groping because they're confused at who they are. What are you called to do? And so Satan is this author of confusion and he, he introduces confusion. He tries to confuse us in, in our minds. He, he tries to confuse us in our families. If you're, if you're married, he tries to confuse you in your marriage. He tries to bring confusion into your marriage. Have you, have you ever had a argument with your spouse or a lively conversation with your spouse and 15 minutes later you're like, what in the world what we arguing about? Anyways, I forgot what we were arguing about. I just want to win the argument. That's confusion right there. When you forget what you're fighting about and you just want to win, that is confusion. You know the enemy has his fingerprints in that situation whenever confusion arises. On the flip side, Jesus is the prince of peace. On the flip side, Jesus brings peace and wholeness into our lives. For the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. We're going to learn more about peace this Thursday at Bible study, but, but Jesus is the author of peace. So be aware of the strategy of confusion. Secondly, be aware of the strategy of testing God. Testing God. Notice what Satan says in verse 4. He says, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. In other words, you, you can't seriously think this will bring about death. In other words, surely God didn't mean what he said when he said that you would die if you did this. In other words, surely the punishment is not as great as you think it was or is. What is he doing? He's trying to get them to test the grace and mercy of God. He's trying to get them to take advantage of the mercy and grace of God upon their lives and it's interesting when satan goes to tempt jesus in the wilderness he does the very same thing in luke chapter 4 verse 9 listen to this exchange between satan and jesus listen it says the devil led jesus to jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple and listen to what he says if you are the son of god he said throw yourself down from here 
Throw yourself down from here. In other words, there won't be any consequences to this. There won't be any consequences. Go ahead. Test God by throwing yourself down the cliff. And look how Jesus responds. It is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Don't test God. Be, be, be careful about entertaining thoughts that say, well, I can do this now and repent later. Be careful. Be careful when you entertain the thoughts, well, that's not a big deal to God. That's, that's just a little bitty lie. That's just a, a little bitty said. Be careful because sin is sin in the eyes of God. In Psalm 78, verse 56 Speaking of the children of Israel, it says, but they rebelled against Almighty God and put him to the test. They did not obey his commandments. And you, we remember what happened to them as a result of that. What did they happen? They walked around in the wilderness, the desert, for 40 years because they tried to test God's mercy and grace. They tried to take advantage of his kindness. God will not be mocked be aware. Thirdly, be aware of the strategy of self-rule. The strategy of self-rule. Now lean into this because this is sneaky right here. Listen to what Satan says. He says, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, get this, knowing good and evil. Key phrase, you will, if you do this, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the enemy tempts them by saying, if you do this, you will be like God. He also says, if you do this, you will know good and evil. Now, now trip on this, because one scholar suggests that the state, this statement is not just about being aware of good and evil, but it also includes, he's, give, he's telling them, he's tempting them with having the power to determine what's good and what's evil. He's saying, if you do this, I will give you the power to determine what's good and what's evil. Are you following along? He, he tempts them with this false power to be able to say what's right or what's wrong. If you do this, I'm going to give you the power to be able to redefine what's good and what's wrong. As I was thinking about that, I was amazed because... When you look out into the scene of our culture today, isn't that what a huge part of our generation is trying to do today? Isn't that what a huge part of our generation is trying to do? They're trying to redefine what's good and what's evil outside of the Word of God. Trying to redefine it, whether by law or suggestion. Oh, that's not that bad. My Bible says in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. You cannot rewrite what God has said. The Lord has spoken and he has not stuttered. 
Theologians say that this Genesis 3-5 is what they call an invitation to autonomy. Some would say autonomy. Autonomy means self-rule. It means self-rule. In other words, you don't have to live under God's rule anymore. You don't, you don't have to obey God anymore. Uh, uh, you can be your own God. Uh, you, you could be your own master. You, you could do it on your own. You have enough strength. You have enough wisdom. Si se puede. You can do it. By the way, that was my Spanish right there. It was a temptation to, to self-rule, to autonomy. And, and when you think about it, the root of the conflict between man and God is actually uh, who's going to be the ruler. That, that was the root of the conflict between, between man and God is, is, is who is going to be the ruler. And, and when, you, when you trace that spirit back, it actually started when Satan rebelled against God in heaven and took one-third of the angels uh, uh, from heaven. When, when Satan says, I will be like God, I will create my own kingdom. And God said, no, you're not. There's only one of me. And this spirit comes upon Adam, and he basically responds the same way. See, Adam forgot that his power came through his submission to God. Adam forgot that in the kingdom of God, it is opposite of the kingdom of this world. In the kingdom of this world, you, you get promoted by, by stepping on people. You, you become a climber, and so you step on him, and you step on her, and you try to go high, higher and higher. But in the kingdom of God, it is the opposite. For the Bible says, the humble shall be elevated, and the prideful shall be torn down. Adam forgot. That his power came through submission in the kingdom of God. And he chose to come out from under the God's rule. And didn't realize the devastating consequences it would have. Listen, when will we learn that we cannot live without God's rule over us? When will we learn that we make terrible gods? We make terrible gods. We barely make good friends. Some of us don't even make good friends. You sure enough don't make no good God. When will we learn that our best efforts produce our worst results? When will we learn that Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing? Be careful. Be, be careful about this temptation of self-rule that you can do it on your own. No, you can't. The last strategy I'm going to expose this afternoon is very critical. I'm going to ask that you lean into this because... This particular strategy causes divorces. This particular strategy causes people to move from job to job, church to church. And the enemy's been wrecking families with this particular strategy. And it is the strategy of discontentment. 
a strategy of discontentment. Let me call your attention back to verse 5, and I'm going I'm, I'm to help you see something. Listen to what he says. He says, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Listen to what he says at the end of the phrase. He goes, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. In other words, listen, in other words, he's saying, if you do this, think about what you can become. Think about what you can become if you do this. Think about what you could have if you do this. You can be like God. You could have the knowledge of good and evil. Listen, if you do this, you can be more and you could have more was the root of the temptation, the discontentment. It was telling them that God didn't make them uh, good enough. It was telling them that God didn't give them enough. It was telling them that they were not complete as God made them, that they could have more and more and more and more. You can be more and you could have more. In other words, the, the, the world says the grass is greener on the other side. He's trying to lure them into discontentment. He's trying to uh, get them to fall for the lie that they are not good enough as they are. He's trying to get them to fall for the lie that they don't have enough. The cold thing is that they were already created in the image of God. The cold thing was... The devil was tempting them with something they already had. That's why you don't talk to the devil. He was tempting them with something they already had. They were already created in the image of likeness of God. They were already blessed with royal rule. God had already crowned them with glory and honor. They were already complete in the kingdom of God. But they listened to the devil devil and they got that spirit of discontentment that said oh it must be greener on the other side we want more and we want more and we want more and you see this played out in verse 7 because in verse 7 it says listen to this don't 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 let this get by you it says in verse 7 that they they sold fig trees together and made covering for themselves what what is that they, they okay think about this they they sold fig trees fig leaves together and they made covering for themselves they made they made covering for them what what is this expression? What is this saying? This, this is saying that they, that they were reaching for the things of the world because they fell for the lie that they were not complete. They fell for the lie that they were not good enough. So what do you got to do when you're not good enough is you reach for the next thing. You reach for the next relationship. You reach for the next promotion. You reach for more money because if I can just get more money, I'm going to feel complete. If I can just get that next relationship, I'm going to feel complete. And you live your life reaching for something that will never satisfy your soul. They're reaching. They're reaching they're reaching for 
things of the world. And we've learned this before, that wanting more robs you of the joy of what you already have. We've learned that before, that, that that spirit of wanting more always robs you of the joy of what you have. And so it's important that we learn as Christians, as citizens in the kingdom of God, it's important, particularly in the world that we live in, is, it's important that we, we, we learn to be content, content. Think about contentment. Contentment means inner satisfaction in Christ, knowing that he's in control. When you think about contentment, it's inner satisfaction in Christ, knowing that he's in control. It means that I'm at peace with whatever current reality that I'm in because I know that I know that I know Jesus is in control. I'm satisfied, so I'm not reaching. I'm not chasing you down to get approval from you. I'm not chasing that thing down to make me feel such a way. No, I'm satisfied in Christ. That thing should be chasing me down. I'm not going to chase it down. Blessings should be chasing you down. You shouldn't be chasing the next thing. That's how you know when you got it twisted, when you're chasing after everything and nothing chasing after you. And you don't just... We don't just wake up content. We have to learn to be content. You're not born with contentment. It goes against the grain. It goes against our generation. You, you, you're not born with it. You've got to learn it. That's why Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4 verse 12, he says, I have learned. That means you had to develop it. You have to practice it. I, I have learned the secret. Someone say secret. That means not everybody has it. That means not everybody has it. If you learn this secret, you'll be valuable. The enemy doesn't want you to be content. He wants you to spend your life reaching. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Woo, if I could, man, if you could learn how to live like that, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Now listen, these next couple weeks, God is going to take some of y'all through the school of contentment. Yes, he is. These next couple weeks, he's going to be taking some of y'all through the school of contentment. You're going you're gonna to feel such a way because you're going to see people buying things. You're going to see pictures, people's Facebook pages with certain things that they purchase and certain things that they have. And you're going to compare people's highlight reels with your life. And the spirit is going to try to overtake you. And you need to understand that God is trying to teach you how to be dependent upon him. He's trying to cut your dependency upon people. He's trying to wean you off of dependency upon things. He's trying to get you to that place where you could say, I'm content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. God is trying to teach someone to be content. And this school is opening up right now in the next four weeks. It's going to be a four-week semester. It's teaching us. And, and you, don't, you don't learn contentment when you have a lot of money. 
You don't learn contentment when you have a lot of things at your house. You don't learn contentment when you have a lot of relationships. You learn contentment when you ain't got no money. You learn contentment when people turn their backs on you. You, you learn contentment when you ain't got a, a steak and eggs at the house. Last yesterday, um, about 25, 30 of us men, we took a journey to Chino, city of Chino. I was invited to preach at a men's conference and about 25 or 30 of our men um, jumped in some cars and we rode deep into the city of Chino representing Jesus. And as I went into the uh, city of Chino, I, I arrived early because you've always got to arrive early whenever you have an appointment, all right? So I arrived early, but I arrived real early. And I said, you know what? Um, we got some time. I, I, think I, need a, I think I need to go back to a place where God uh, taught me some things. And in Chino, they have about four prisons, three prisons. And I happened to be in two of them many, many years ago. And yesterday, I was with the brothers, and we drove to the prison that I spent my first three years of serving the Lord in. Ultimately, I did 16 years, but my first three years I spent in this particular prison, in this particular cell. I want to show you this picture. We drove up to the place, and my heart started to beat fast because I didn't want to stay. And I looked to the right. By the way, this is the prison that Laura visited me every Sunday. She would drive from Paramount to Chino every Sunday to, to visit me. But I didn't realize that when we rolled up, because I, I didn't go into the front entrance. When I was there, I didn't go into the front entrance. Y'all get that later. I didn't go into the front entrance. I went to the back entrance. So this was the first time I went to the front entrance. And I looked to my right, and I saw the building that I had spent three years in. And if I look close enough, I could probably see the cell that I had spent through my first three years of serving the Lord in that cell. And, 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 and it, was a, it was a dark time for me. I was fresh off of the streets. It was, a, it, was a, it was a painful time for me. It was a, it was a time of loneliness. It was a time of rejection. I didn't have all y'all as friends back then. I didn't have really no friends. I was rejected. I was in isolation. Half my family didn't want me. The world didn't want me. But even in the midst of that darkness, it was in that cell that God taught me how to be content in Christ Jesus. It was in that cell that he taught me in the midst of that darkness how to rely on him alone. It was in that cell. Not when I had a lot of money. Not when I had a lot of relationships and friends. No. It was in that cell. And now today I'm a better person. I'm a better person because I've learned to be content in every situation that I'm in. And that's my prayer for you. My prayer for you is you don't live a life of reaching. You live a life satisfied. 
in Christ. You don't live a life chasing things. If you got to chase it down, something's wrong. It ought to chase you down. And so I end with this verse in Hebrews, because this is my prayer for you. Hebrews 13.5 says, let your conduct be without covetousness. That, that, that's the LBC translation of that word. Covetousness means stop reaching. Don't be reaching. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, this is the key to contentment. He himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That is the key. Resting in Christ, being satisfied in Christ, that he is with you and he is all you need. Listen, my brothers. Listen, my sisters. If you can't learn to live with Jesus, you ain't going to learn to live with that guy. If you can't learn to live with Jesus, you ain't going to learn to live with that girl. You got to learn to be satisfied in Jesus first, and then everything else will come after it to the glory of God. Let's give the Lord a hand. Praise somebody. At this time, I would invite us, let's bow our heads for a couple moments. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just for a couple moments, this is a critical time where we reflect upon what God spoke to us about. We don't want to just rush out. We want to have a time of meditation, a time of reflection. And I want you to think about what was God trying to get across to you through this word? What was he challenging you with? Every head bowed, every eye closed, remain seated in reverence to God. Let's, let's reflect upon the word of the Lord. And if you're watching from home, I will encourage you to do, same, do the same. Let's just bow our hearts and reflect upon the word. every head bowed and every eye closed if you're with us this afternoon and you felt that God was specifically dealing with you on contentment and as a response to God's word to you you're willing to go through this school of contentment this next couple weeks where you're going to be committed to be dependent upon Jesus alone and you need prayer you need prayer. You want to say, Lord, I'm willing to be dependent upon you, but I, I need prayer. And if you're in the house today, you need that type of prayer. I want to pray with you right where you're at. I want to ask that you respond just by standing up on your feet right now as a response of faith, and I'll pray with you. You need prayer for contentment that God strengthen you. Stand to your feet, and I will pray with you right where you're at. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the transparency of my brothers and sisters. They have stood up to say, Lord, I need help in this area. 
Father, I pray that the word that was preached today stick to their soul. Stick to their soul. I pray that the word that was preached today continue to minister to them even at home and throughout this week. And I pray that you strengthen them in their levels of contentment. Help them to be dependent upon Christ alone. Help them to keep their eyes on you. Don't allow them to look to the left. Don't allow them to look to the right. Help them to keep their eyes on you. Train them up, O oh Lord God. Train them up, O oh Lord God. Strengthen their spirit and their minds, O oh Lord God, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand praise. You may be seated. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Did anybody learn anything today? Did you learn something from the Word of God? Did you receive anything from the Word of God? Praise God. Praise God. Take that word and run with it. At this time, we're going to transition to prepare our hearts for, uh, to give our tithes and our offering unto the Lord. Uh, we're going to prepare our hearts to worship the Lord through our uh, offering. And if you're part of Chapel of Change, I want to encourage you uh, to give your best gift unto the Lord. Uh, I want to remind you, number one, that giving is a form of worship that we give out of gratitude unto the Lord. I want to remind you that every time we give to God, we're making a statement that, Lord, you mean more to us than anything in this world. Every time we give to God, we're making a declaration that, Lord, you are the center of my life. So I want to encourage you to give out of that spirit of gratitude, give out of that spirit of gratefulness. Uh, as you prepare to give, uh, I want to remind you of a couple of things. Uh, we're going to have different ways to give. We're actually going to collect an offering today, but after, in fact, I'm going to call the ushers down front as we prepare to give. Um, you can give through your envelope. You can put it in your offering in the envelope, and then uh, after I release the ushers, you can put it in the box. After service, if you want to give through the debit card, if you want to give through a debit card after service uh, in the lobby, there's a debit machine that you can give uh, through the debit card. We have a machine there. If you want to give online, chapelofchange.org. That's another way you can give. If you're watching, you want to give online, give through our chapelofchange.org. Most of our church family gives online throughout the week. And some of them have told me, they said, uh, Brian, I give as soon as I get blessed because I might forget. Hello, somebody. Hello, somebody. They say, I give as soon as I get blessed because I may forget. That's a good habit to get into. So you can give online. You can give through text, through your phone. There's a phone number on our website that you can give uh, or uh, give through. And let me make a couple of announcements to remind uh, everybody about. Uh, don't forget, we have a powerful uh, women's ministry. So all the sisters in the house. Uh, make sure you get connected. Pastor Sandy, raise your hand. Pastor Sandy, if you're new in the house today, before you leave, get Pastor Sandy's phone number. She can let you know about all our women uh, uh, gathering. The Lord is moving through our women's gatherings. Uh, also, we have a powerful men's gathering. Our Kingsmen. Any Kingsmen in the house? So... If you're a man in the house, if you're new and you're not connected, I want you to get connected with Pastor Kenny. Raise your hand, Pastor Kenny. He's sitting in the corner right there. Give it up for Pastor Kenny. Before you leave, get his phone number. He could let you know uh, our different gatherings. Also, I uh, want to let you know that 
on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays at 8 a.m. are Pastor Martin and his uh, wife, Pastor Mary. Raise your hands. Uh, they host a Zoom discipleship group every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on the computer. You ain't got to go nowhere. All you, gotta, you ain't even got to brush your teeth. You just got to get on the computer. Right? How easy is that? That God is trying to connect you with that. So uh, before we leave today, if you want information on that, they can give you the Zoom information. By the way, I'm going to be the guest speaker tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. So uh, if you want to connect with us, we got people on the Zoom. Uh, believe this or not, we got people connected to us from Africa, right? There's people from Africa that actually gave a study before, right? I talked to this one uh, sister. She's actually from Mississippi. Is it Mississippi? This one sister, she's connected to Mississippi. By the way, if you're watching, God bless you. If you're from Mississippi, God bless. Give us a noise from Mississippi watching. So you can connect with that Zoom group. Also, I want to remind you that we do have a strong youth ministry. Sundays at 1230, they gather in the sanctuary to worship, and then they break off into the youth group after uh, worship. And then Thursdays at 715, bring your youth. They meet upstairs uh, for Bible study. God is working in our youth ministry. And then lastly, I want to remind you, let's put the flyer up of my text group. Uh, if you're not connected to me through the text, uh, we have about 600 people have already signed up and were able to send a message or updates on the church. They could text back prayer requests or maybe they need extra support. If you're not on this group, it's important that we stay connected. Take a picture of that phone number and text your name to that number so that we could add you to this group. It's important that we stay in communication during these difficult days, all right? We need to stay connected. Our strength is in our community. Our strength is in our community. So uh, text your name to that. And then lastly, I would ask that you keep my wife and I in prayer. Immediately after this service, we're going to be driving up to Victorville, where we're going to be teaching a Bible study to our Victorville High Desert group. We have a group in High Desert that love the Lord, and uh, I'm excited. My wife and I, we're going to go tonight. In fact, we're going to spend a couple days there to fellowship and, and to just inspire the group in the High Desert. So, Chapel of Change, we're a big family. We got Long Beach Campus, Carson Campus, Saturday Night Whittier Campus. Man, the Lord is moving at our Whittier campus. Last night, we had a powerful time in the Lord. I would encourage you to go support it on Saturday night, at least once or twice a month at 5 p.m. Go to our webpage, get all the details. But God is moving at Chapel of Change, and we are so grateful. We are so grateful. Also, if you're a leader or if you're an emerging leader, we have our leadership summit this Friday at about 645 and Saturday at 830. Uh, very important for every leader and emerging leader to participate. We're going to have a guest speaker. My very own pastor, Dr. Larry Wachemeyer, is going to come and train us at our leadership summit. So that's for the leaders and the pastors. So we're going to pray over the offering. And then our ushers are going to release the buckets. Amen. They're going to release the buckets. And praise God. We got awesome ushers, right? Awesome ushers. Praise the Lord. Let's, let's pray. Let's pray over the offering. Father, we thank you for just the ability to give. Without you, we cannot give. And as we give, we are more and more like you. Receive these funds for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ushers.
lead us. If you're able to stand to our feet as we prepare to dismiss, I'm going to call our pastors and leaders up to the altar. After we dismiss, if you need personal prayer, you're going through something, you need somebody to pray for you, uh, you're welcome to come down to one of our pastors and share with them, and they will pray for you. We believe in the power of prayer. It's our tradition to dismiss with a blessing. It's an honor for me as the pastor of this church to pronounce a blessing over your life. Don't ever leave without receiving your blessing. How many need a blessing for this week? Praise the Lord. Let's lift up our hands unto the Lord, and we'll dismiss with a blessing. In the name of the Father who loves you with an endless love, in the name of the Son who died that you could live, and in the name of the Holy Ghost, who empowers you to be content in Christ Jesus. May you go this week with the protection and the blessing of the Lord. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Hope to see you Thursday night, 715. Go in peace.